Hey, this is Pastor Allen. I'm the lead pastor here at First Baptist Church of Naples, and we are so happy that you have chosen to join us as we go through God's Word together. God's doing some amazing things here, and we pray that God's Word will transform you from the inside out. Our mission here is to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ of all peoples. And our hope is, is that you are being a disciple that makes disciples. Now, if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to join us either in person or continuing online as we go into God's Word together every week. But if you are a member of another church, we don't want this to be in any way, shape, form, or fashion a substitute for you being connected to your local body. So our prayer is, is that God uses His Word to change you and to change others. So we pray that God will use you and this message for His glory. Have a great day. Matthew 6, we're going to begin in verse 9. Let's stand as read God's Word. Uh, When we get to the prayer, let's all say it together as we have this series. Jesus said, pray then like this, all together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You may be seated. Does your family... uh, you know, in, in a day of Instacart and Walmart pickup and Target pickup and all those different things, d- does your family use grocery lists? Uh, my, my wife and I uh, have two different approaches when it comes to grocery shopping. Uh, she tends to get stuff that's healthy. Um, she tends to get stuff that you can actually cook and make a meal. Uh, I, on the other hand, when I go to the grocery store, uh, I, get, uh, I get things that are normally taste good and are on sale. Um, when she goes to the store, it's all about meal planning. And so uh, I go and, and I'm, I'm the one that gets the things that the kids and I love to eat. Things like cookies, ice cream, chips, the essentials, things that you have to have to have a functioning home. From time to time, though, she'll send me to the store with a grocery list. And inevitably, I tend to forget something. Anybody else ever do that? Or I don't get it exactly what she wants. Anybody else struggle with that? So a couple weeks ago, came home, went to Publix for shopping. is a pleasure. And um, got the bags, walked in. So proud of myself. I did it. I got everything on that list. So whenever I go shopping with a list, she inspects it to make sure. Uh, checks, makes the list, checks it twice. And so she, everything is good. I said, you know, I'm sitting there like a peacock. Like I'm proud. Like I did it. She says, you forgot something. She says, where is my organic, grass-fed, hormone-free milk? I said, I'm so sorry. I thought it's all organic. It comes from cows. (laughs) She said, no, you got the non-organic feedlot hormone antibiotic rich milk. And I looked at her and I said, but honey, this milk was on sale. To which she said, you are so cheap. You don't care about your family, do you? And I said, I am so sorry. I'll do better next time. 
Now, I had permission to tell that story. Here's the reason why I told you that story. It's because I think for a lot of us, our prayer life is like a grocery list. It's like a shopping list that we bring to God. And if God doesn't get us exactly what we want, exactly how we want it, then we don't feel like that God cares about us. But, but the good news is that God, unlike me, is not cheap. He has a greater perspective. He knows exactly what we need, when we need it. And he wants us to come to him and ask him for whatever we need to live our lives for him. And so as we have been going through this Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer is probably very different than how many of us have approached prayer. Uh, again, most of us tend to have these popcorn prayers or these grocery list prayers where we maybe sprinkle in a few thank yous, but it's, it's pretty much about all that we can get at the moment. They're the gimme prayers. But Jesus here is, is teaching us that God must be the starting point in our prayers. And so the first three petitions after we say our Father in heaven are all about God and his glory. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's about God and his glory. And then now these last three petitions as we start the first part, first one of that is about man and his need. And it's about man and his good. And the reason why it starts with God and his glory rather than it starts with man and his good is because we need to align ourselves before we ask for stuff. See, God wants us to make sure that we haven't forgotten that we just said your kingdom come and we just said your will be done before we come and ask him for anything. And so here's what I want you to get out of the message. To pray, give us this day our daily bread. We are daily depending on the Father to meet our needs with proper perspective based on his greatness and his goodness. So three things here, daily dependence, proper perspective, goodness of God. Let's walk, let's just, let's unpack that. All right. Daily dependence. He says here, give us. He doesn't say sell us or reward us. He says, give us. This is not a demand, nor is it a command, but it is a request. We are asking God to give us what we cannot give ourselves. It's not something that we can work for. We can't do this for ourselves. This is not a payment for services rendered. This is a gift of sheer grace. And so we, in this moment of saying, give us, are recognizing that we are unable and that God is able and he is the source of all that we need. Now, when we say to God, give us, it shows that we are creatures. It shows that we are creatures that are dependent. Uh, and, and it separates us from our creator who is self-sufficient. God is uh, inexhaustible. He's omnipotent. He's eternal. He has everything that he needs. And yet, here's what I want you to understand. That's the difference between the creator and the creation. Creation, a creature, is dependent upon the creator, okay? God created you to be dependent. And so it's not a sin to be dependent, God created you to live your life, to be dependent upon God. And so even as you raise kids, the goal in parenting is to teach your kids to be less and less dependent upon you and more and more dependent upon God. That's the goal of parenting. But, but even when we're born, we're born completely dependent. I mean, we come out the womb and as soon as we come out of the womb, we are dependent. We need to be we need to be fed, we need to be burped, we need our diapers changed, and then, that, then for the rest of our lives, we are dependent, dependent creatures. See, when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, all before sin entered in, God provided for them in the garden, and, and they were dependent upon God. And yet what you see here is the sin of Adam and Eve wasn't something about a fruit as much as it was they chose to, be, to live their lives independent of God. They were created to be dependent upon God, and yet they chose their independence away from God. And so a result 
in their state of dependency before the fall, food was plentiful. Food was in abundance. But now because of the curse, the curse that God puts on this world and the curse of sin, food that was once in abundance is now scarce. Food has to now be produced by the sweat of one's brow. And so even food's very existence isn't certain anymore. And so When we pray, give us, we are acknowledging, God, you are the giver of every good thing. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. And God, we cannot produce this ourselves. We need you to give. If you don't give it, God, we ain't gonna get it. If you don't give it, we're not gonna get it. Everything you have is given to you by God. There's not one thing that you have in your life, in your bank account, in your home that you didn't receive from God either directly or indirectly. Everything has been given to you by God. And so we are, when he says to say the words, give us, that's what he means, that we're recognizing that. But then he says, give us what? Our daily bread. What you see here is that Jesus loved carbs. <laughs> Jesus loved bread. I love bread. Do you love bread? I love sweet bread. I love sweet bread deep fried. I love sweet bread deep fried with sweet sugary glaze on it, chocolate on it. Love it, don't you? Well, what is this daily bread? It's today's bread. See, in Jesus' day, not like our day, Jesus' day, most people had to worry about their next meal. But, but in our day, we don't have to. But, but in Jesus' day, the meal wasn't guaranteed. And so when we're praying for this daily bread, it's what you need for that day. And so this means our physical needs, food and water and just clothing, all these physical things that we need. And, and it's asking for emotional bread, things that we need to help us to think, to live, to function. And then spiritual bread, the things that we need to live our lives for God and godliness. See, in Jesus's day, the bread wasn't guaranteed every day. And in Jesus's day, the bread that you did have that day didn't last beyond that day because it didn't have the preservatives that we have in our day. So if you go, get a, if you go buy a loaf of bread and you go and look at the ingredients, it has all kinds of stuff you can't read. What is that stuff you can't? I mean, once you get past enriched flour or flour and water, once you get past that, like there's like 17 other things, well, those things are called preservatives. And those are things that keep the bread from getting moldy too quick. Well, in Jesus' day, they didn't have that. And so this daily bread was the bread for that day. See, our problem, again, is not that we have. Not, we, not that we don't have enough food. We have plenty of food. We have, we have more food. The problem is that we have too much food and it, maybe this afternoon we'll, we may eat too much of it. I mean, it is a Super Bowl party, right? I'm like today, you know, you're, you're not gonna worry about, are we gonna have anything? You're like, am I gonna not eat too much? Don't wanna regret because the next day is Valentine's Day. I mean, what a cruel joke. You eat like a pig on Sunday night and then you go on a date on Monday night. It's a cruel joke. But the thought here is this daily is to look to God daily as a source of everything you need. And so come day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, trusting, dependent upon God to provide things that we need so that we can live our lives, not starve to death, not die, so that we can glorify his name on the earth. Because if we die of starvation, we cannot praise his name. I mean, this, is, this thought of daily bread kind of echoes back to something that was in the Jews' mind, the Jewish mindset of that day in Exodus chapter 16, where God provided every day manna. What is manna? We don't know, but it tasted good and it worked. It was wonder bread. 
Uh, and every morning God provided uh, as the, uh, like dew on the ground, he provided this, this little fine seed that they would make into bread and, and, and that would be their staple diet. They would have manna in the morning, manna at lunch and manna at supper time. And so the, the people were to gather all that their family needed for that day. They were to only gather what they needed for that day. And here's the interesting thing. Whoever gathered little had no lack. And so not only was there a miracle of God providing the bread, but also the bread that they got, what they got that day stretched out and they could be used and no one went hungry all in this wilderness journey. The only exception for daily bread is that on Friday, they were to actually get twice the amount so that on Sabbath, on Saturday, they could rest. And the reason that God did this, that every day they had to go get it. Every, they couldn't hoard it. They couldn't get extra. Like they every day had to go to the grocery store outside on the grass is this. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three. The Bible says that he, God humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make known to you that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord that we are absolutely, utterly dependent upon God every day. See, there's this beauty in, in dailiness. There's a beauty in that, that, that we, we acknowledge our need daily. See, our tendency is to stockpile. Our tendency is to store things. We put our money in the bank. We put our food in the pantry, and we trust in those things. The American motto is this, get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on the can. We want to plan ahead. We, we don't want to have to go to the grocery store every day, especially in season. A place is a madhouse. We want to get it. But God desires that we come to him every day for our daily needs. But notice, he says, give us this day our daily bread. So what you understand here is that when you ask God for daily bread, you're asking for this day's daily bread. We're not saying, God, would you give us a thousand days of bread. No, just today's bread. So this is not a Sam's Club prayer. This is not a Costco prayer. When you go to Sam's Club or Costco, you get big oversized packages. You get like big old packages of toilet paper for the glory of God. <laughs> Barrels of dishwashing detergent. And you get like a three or five gallon bucket of mayonnaise. <laughs> and you get Duke's mayonnaise right? I mean, praise God. Amen. Duke's mayonnaise. Matter of fact, that'll last you. And so you get these big oversized packages of things. Why? So that you don't have to go every day or every week back to Sam's because again, in season, that place is crazy town. You have to do defensive cart driving at Sam's and Cotton. I mean, have you been there lately? It's like the entire state of Florida and the United Nations have just hovered around Costco, bumper to bumper. And so you go there once a month because that's the only time you really want to have to deal with it. And you only go there when you are in some big need. The last roll of toilet paper is gone. Gotta go to Costco. That's not what this kind of prayer is. This is not a when I, only when I'm in a moment of panic or need do I come and pray. No, this is asking for this day. Why do we pray this day, our daily bread? Because yesterday's bread 
is gone. Tomorrow's bread hasn't come. I need today's bread. I don't ask for tomorrow's bread today. I ask for today's bread today. Today's bread. One of the most beautiful sights in all of North America. It's the light that you see on the sign right outside of Krispy Kreme. <laughs> that red light that says, hot now. I don't like old donuts. Do you like old donuts? Somebody last night said they liked old donuts and we prayed over them at the end of the service. <laughs> I like hot donuts, right? Hot and holy donuts. The good thing about hot and holy Krispy Kremes is you can eat five and only think you ate one. I need daily bread. I need it served hot. I need it every day. This day, not tomorrow, not yesterday, this day's bread. And why do we ask God for this day's bread? Not because God needs to be begged, but because we often forget. See, you and I tend to forget that God is the source of everything we have. We tend to forget where the bread came from. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse 11, God says, take care lest you forget the Lord your God. We are to pray this day for our daily bread, not our weekly bread, not our random bread, but today's bread so that it would be a wonder bread in our life that when we see how good God has been to us, we are in awe that this God would be so good to us. Have you, any of you been blessed this week by God? Has, has God been good to any? Amen. Has he been good to you this week? God has been so, so good. So good. And I tend to forget it. I tend to forget where the bread came from. I tend to think that I'm the one that caused it. And so if you're here in this room and you're watching or you're watching online and you struggle praying, maybe it's because you don't see your need for it. I've been saying this for years, but you only pray as much as you feel you need to. Prayerlessness is not a lack of discipline. Prayerlessness is a faith problem. It's that we don't really believe and trust that God is the source of all that we have and need. And, and the reason uh, is that, that we don't really trust him. We, we think for some reason that God needs us. Well, let me let you in on something. God doesn't need you. And God doesn't need me. We desperately need him. See, if God were to ever close his hand for one minute, we would all be in trouble. You know, there's no such thing as a self-made man or woman. We're either God-made or we're nothing. And so what you have to understand, the reason why we say give us this day our daily bread is because our lives are far more fragile than we think. In a moment, your life can be over. In a moment, your bank account can be drained. In a moment, cryptocurrency, who knows? If anybody can explain cryptocurrency, come see me after the service. But in a moment, things that you think are so normal can all disappear, all fall apart. Our lives are far more fragile than we think, but here's the other thing. God is far more kinder than we can imagine. So we daily depend. Secondly, not just daily dependence, but secondly, proper perspective. Proper perspective. Who are we talking to when we say, give us this day our daily bread? Well, ultimately, we're talking to God. 
And so we are to ask God for our physical needs, our emotional needs, our spiritual needs. We are never bothering God when we ask him for these things. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I never pray for myself, ever. I say, why not? Well, I just think it's selfish. Well, here's what I tell them. If you don't pray for you, you have no guarantee anyone else is praying for you. And I don't know about you, but I need the prayers. And I need to practice. And so J.I. Packer says, it's God's pleasure to give pleasure. And so if it matters to you, then it matters to God. And if it matters to God, then you and I can and should pray about it. Why should we do that? Like, why? Like, why? Because of who we're talking to. He's t- we're talking to the God of the universe, but here's the cool thing about it. Who is the God of the universe? He's our Father. He's our Father. He's our Father in heaven. He's our Father through adoption. But he's in heaven, has a perspective greater than ours. He sees not only our lives, but the world around us. He has a kingdom. His kingdom is coming in its fullness. And because he is the king and we are his children, that means we are children of the king. And he's got a will that's greater than ours and has more stuff planned out and has a plan for our lives, an agenda for our lives. And so he says, come and you ask and you come to your father and anything that you need to fulfill his agenda for your life and to follow his, to, to follow his will, God will provide and give you everything you need. That's why the psalmist David said in Psalm 37, 25, I've been young and now I'm old. And yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken and his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. We don't have to worry. We don't have to get angry. We don't have to fight other people for stuff. We don't have to go around and fight for things. We have a father who takes care of us. Do you hear what happened a few weeks ago in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania at the Golden Corral? The Golden Corral is known as a family environment. And you say, well, what's the Golden Corral? Well, it's a buffet of all kinds of food. And what was known to be a family environment turned out to an all-out brawl. Forty people, over 40 people at the Golden Corral got into a fist fight. Punches were exchanged in front of the fruit bar. High chairs were thrown. No kids in them, but high chairs were tables were overturned. Why, was the, why were there 40 people fighting at the Golden Corral? Why did the Golden Corral turn into the OK Corral? Here's why. Because one guy cut in front of another guy to get the last piece of steak. One eyewitness said this, I guess those guys really wanted that steak and were scared that the Golden Corral was gonna run out. Golden Corral did respond and say, local authorities are investigating the incident. Thankfully, no serious injuries have been reported. You say, why do I tell that funny story, silly story? Well, because when things, when things in life that you want don't happen how you want them, when, 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 when you want something really bad, you'll do crazy things to get it. And if you don't think you're getting it, if you don't think you're getting what you deserve, or if you're not getting what you think you need, you get angry. 
But what God is teaching us as we pray this prayer is that we don't have to worry and we don't have to get angry. In Matthew chapter six, later on, Jesus is gonna say, don't be anxious for anything. Don't be anxious about what you eat. Don't be anxious about what you drink. You have a heavenly father who knows what you need. We don't have to worry. But you know what our biggest problem is? Our biggest problem isn't our circumstances. Our biggest problem is our perspective. See, we ask God for stuff and, and we ask God for stuff based on limited information. But perspective always makes a difference. So we have a God who is our father and our father as God does not necessarily give us everything we ask for. I mean, how many times in life have you made a decision based on limited or flawed information that ended up being the wrong decision? See, we have a father who knows better than we do, who, see, who sees things from a greater perspective. We've been talking about that for the past few weeks. We only see things from a limited perspective. We only see things often through the lens of circumstances. But yet we have a father who sees our need better than we see our need. And here's the thing. If God gave you everything that you asked for, that would be dangerous. There's a great theological movie called Aladdin. Aladdin in that movie by Disney gets three wishes from Genie. You remember that? Now, this is about to be a spoiler alert. So if you've not seen the movie Aladdin, spoiler alert. At the end of the movie, Jafar, who's the bad guy, gets a hold of the Genie lamp, the Aladdin's lamp, and gets the Genie, and he asks, he gets three wishes. And so the first wish is he wishes to be the sultan, to be the king. And then that wasn't good enough, so he wanted to be the world's greatest sultan, to have the greatest power. And then at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, close your ears now, Aladdin tricks Jafar and says, no, Jafar, you think you're the most all-powerful person, but there is one greater than you, and that's Genie, because Genie's the one giving you everything you're asking for. And so Jafar, in that moment, asked Genie to be Genie. I want to be genie. And so as soon as he asks for this, what happens to him? Chains, go, bracelets go on his hands and his feet. He turns into genie. He thinks he's going to win. But then all of a sudden he gets stuck into that lamp and he lives in itty bitty tiny living spaces. What he thought was going to be the greatest freedom being genie was actually slavery. And sometimes what you think would give you freedom, would make you happy, actually make you miserable. And so from your limited perspective, that's what you think is best. I mean, think about this way. What would be more awful than to give a five-year-old Aladdin's lamp? Could you imagine if you gave, a five, if you gave your five-year-old three wishes for whatever they wanted? What about a 15-year-old? Could you imagine a high school student with genie's three wishes? What about a 25-year-old? What about a 35-year-old? You know, isn't it amazing that the older that we get, the more we realize we were not as smart as we thought we were? We were idiots. At the time that we thought what was best for us, I mean, there were thoughts and things that I wanted at the age of 20 that now at 38, I think are so dumb. How dangerous would it be if we got Jeannie's lamp? You know what? Regardless of age, we're all idiots. Every one of us are idiots. Tim Keller said this way, he says, we should not think of prayer in genie terms, but in father terms. Good parents distinguish between the need of the child and the child's interpretation of the need. 
Good parents don't respond to unwise proposals, but they discern the real need. And so he talks about in his book on prayer, he says there's a difference between the interpretation of a need and the need. They're not both the same thing. And so often we think our physical needs or the interpretation of that need is is what we is what's going on but yet there is a the, really what those things are are just symptoms of a greater need so what we think is our biggest need is just a symptom of our biggest need so let's say you have a 5 year old kid you're the mom you're the dad and they come to you and they're bored and they say mom dad i'm bored can i go in the backyard and play with knives the parent who's a good parent says, no, (laughs) Uh, let's do something else together. The need of the child was to do something, to be loved, to spend time with their parent. But the kid interpreted that need as, man, it sure would be fun to go go in the backyard and play with knives. So good parents redirect their kids to a deeper need. And so there are times that we interpret our need to be something, to be this, this job, this relationship, this career move, this amount of money. But it's really just a symptom of something far deeper. If God just gave you and I what we wanted, when we wanted it, it wouldn't always, I don't think it would ever satisfy or truly help the real need that we have. As a matter of fact, if God gave us all that we wanted, how we interpreted that we needed, it would probably kill or destroy us. See, God is not a genie. God is a father. And so if God were a genie, then I know what's best. But if God is a father, then he knows what's best. And so he won't give you all that you want, thank God, but he'll never give you less than what you need. Daily dependence. Give us this day our daily bread. Proper perspective. When I come and I ask God for stuff, I'm trusting he's got a better perspective than I do. And he's gonna give me what's right. And what's good for my life. And how do I know it's good for my life? Last point, the goodness of God. How can I trust that Father knows best? How can I do that? Because God has proven over and over again how good he is. And even though we cannot understand what God is doing, we can trust him because every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above, from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Jesus talks about this. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus says this. He says, I tell you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. So there he says, ask Keep on asking, seek, keep on seeking, knock, keep on knocking, and it will be open to you. You'll find it, and it'll be given to you. And then he goes on, and he he now gets into deeper of how you can trust that. God just, Jesus just said, ask, seek, and knock, trust. And then now he's going to explain why we can trust. He says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, instead of a fish, you give him a snake? I mean, your kid comes to you and says, dad, 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 can I get some ice cream? Yeah, son, here's a rattler. Just, you know. Or if your son asks for an egg, you give him a scorpion. Like, hey, dad, can I have ice cream? No, here's a scorpion. He says, what dad would do that? The answer to that rhetorical question is not a good one. No one would do that. No 
earthly father that loves their kid at all would do that. There might be some crazy ones, but no loving parent would do that. And so then notice what he says. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Here's what Jesus is saying about all parents. So we have this parenting conference coming up in a couple weeks. You need to come to it and you have to sign up for it. Can you just show up, sign up for it. But here's what he says about all parents. You wanna hear it? If you are a parent in the room, Jesus says you're evil. Some of the kids in the room is like, man, I, I've been knowing that for years. I knew, I, I knew they were evil. It's the proof text. Mom, here, I told you you're evil. <laughs> Jesus says that we're evil. Now, what does that mean? The best parent in the world, the best, you think of who they are. Think of all their Instagram posts, of how great of a parent they are. The best parent in the world is evil compared to God. There is no one who loves or cares for his children better than God. And here's the thing I tell a lot of parents. God loves your kid more than you do. And so we have a father that our love for our kids looks like evil compared to God's love for our kids. And if we who are evil, we who have make evil decisions are evil people. If we, even though we're evil, know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more will our father give us what we truly need? That God, our father is committed to us. He is more committed to us than the best dad on the face of the earth. And so what that means is this, is if you are a Christian, no prayer you ever pray goes unanswered. Now the answer might be yes, it might be no, and it might be later, but it's never unanswered. And some of you feel like God's not answering your prayer, that he doesn't care, that he's too busy. But you can come to God with confidence, knowing that God hears you, he cares for you, he'll do the right thing for you. How do we know that? How do we know that? How do we know? Here's how I know that if I'm a child of God, if I'm a son of God, if I'm a daughter of God through Jesus Christ, how I know that God will always hear me is this. Because one terrible day, God the Father did not answer God the Son when he prayed. Jesus on the cross prayed, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And all Jesus got was the silence of heaven, the sound of of silence, nothing. Why? Because God treated Jesus on the cross as we deserve to be treated. We are sinners that deserve our prayers to go unanswered, but Jesus, the perfect man who deserved every one of his prayers to be answered, had his prayer turned down as if he sinned against God. God treated Jesus as we deserve to be treated so that if we believe in him, we can be treated as Jesus deserves to be treated. How can we know that if we ask for bread, God will not give us a stone? How can we know that if we ask for a fish, God will not give us a snake? How can we know that if we ask for an egg, God will never give us a scorpion? Let me just let this sink into your mind. Whatever you ask God, and whatever you receive from God, 
This is going to be big. It's the best thing for you. It may not be what you thought. It may not be at that moment what you wanted. But here's what I want you to understand. It will never be a scorpion. It'll never be a snake. Whatever you ask God for, whatever that might be, and maybe it is exactly what you want, it's not gonna be a snake. It's not gonna be a scorpion. And maybe it's not what you want. Maybe it's the opposite of what you want. It's never a snake. It's never a scorpion. Never, ever. It's always for your good. Always, always. How do I know that? Because Jesus got the stone of rejection so that we could have the bread of heaven. Jesus got the venom of the old snake so that we can have fish. Jesus got the sting of the scorpion that he didn't deserve so that we can get the egg that we don't deserve. Because the Father did not answer Jesus in his darkest hour, we can be assured that God the Father will always answer us in our darkest hour and any other time we need him. One of my favorite verses, Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If God the Father can save you from the worst thing imaginable, And if he can save you from the worst thing imaginable by giving to you the greatest thing, the greatest person possible, if God can save you from hell and forgive you of your sins, and he did that at the expense of his very best, Jesus Christ Almighty, if God can do that for you, then how can he not take care of your everyday needs? That's Paul's logic there. So that's why we can pray, give us this day our daily bread and we can trust God. And listen, we need to ask for big things. I'm asking God right now that he would make our church a church that not only reaches Naples, but the nations for Jesus Christ. I'm asking that there will never be a moment where the sun ever sets on the ministries and mission of First Baptist Church of Naples. But I'm asking for small things. I'm asking for God to protect me while I'm driving in Naples. I'm asking for God to provide these things and that things. I'm asking God for ordinary things. God, give me wisdom. Help me make good decisions. I'm asking God for wonderful things. God, use my children to further your kingdom. Ask God. Trust God. He knows what's best. I'm just afraid that we don't believe prayer works. And that's why we don't ask. George Mueller, who is one of my heroes in history, traveled more than 200,000 miles preaching in 42 countries in the mid-19th century. As remarkable as that was, even more remarkable as he cared for over 12,000 orphans through his life in Great Britain. As much as he was known for his preaching and his orphan care, he was also known for his remarkable prayer life. As a matter of fact, George Mueller would prayer walk and people would watch him. Crowds of people would watch him praying. A story is told about an incredible time in Mueller's prayer life where one of his prayers was directly answered by God. And the story goes like this, true story. 
one morning at the orphanage. The kids were to come down for breakfast. On the table were all the plates, all the bowls, all the spoons, all the cups. As the kids go to the table, there is no food. There's no money to buy the food. The children are seated at the table waiting for their morning meal. Mr. Mueller lifts up his hands and he prays, Dear Father, we thank thee for what thou art going to give us to eat. There's nothing at the table. As soon as he finishes praying, there's a knock on the door. Mr. Mueller goes to the door and the baker stood there and he said, Mr. Mueller, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow I felt like that you and the orphans did not have bread for breakfast and God woke me up at two o'clock in the morning and I've been baking bread ever since and here I bring it to you. And the kids had bread for, for breakfast. As soon as the door shut, Mr. Mueller goes inside, the door knocks, somebody knocks on the door again, and it was the milkman. Now you say, What's the, who's the milkman? Well, back in the old days, people got milk delivered to them. They're the, that was the milkmen. And he came and he told Mr. Mueller that his milk cart had just broken down right in front of the orphanage and that, that he had to repair this cart. And, and to do that, he would have to get rid of this milk. And he says, he can't just leave it out. It would just spoil. And he says, Mr. Mueller, do you need this milk? Mr. Mueller said, absolutely we do. And there that morning, God provided bread and milk. You say, Pastor, that, that sounds awful good. That, that sounds sweet. Is it true? Absolutely, it's true. There are many eyewitnesses of this account, many that would testify that this happened. But, 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 but this doesn't teach you. I want you to understand, this isn't teaching us to name it and claim it or to blab it and grab it. This isn't what I'm teaching here. But here's what I am saying. Is that God wants to do far more in your life than you've ever asked him for. And what I know about Mueller is that as amazing as this story sounds, it's just one of thousands, thousand of other direct answers to prayer that Mr. Mueller asked for that God gave him. And for some of you tonight, for some of you this morning, it's not not yet. For some of you, you have big things in your life you need to ask God for. You may be dealing with a mountain of cancer. You may be dealing with a mountain of relationship problems. You might be asking God for small things just to help you to make it through the week. Ordinary things are wonderful things. But here's what I want to say. Come and ask. Jesus says, pray, give us this day our daily bread. You are coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring. His grace and power are such none can ever ask too much. And for some of you in this room, your biggest ask is to ask Jesus to forgive you and save you to change your life from the inside out. See, you'll never ask God to give you daily bread until you've received the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Whatever your needs are, I, I ask that you in this moment, as we're about to sing in a moment, that God would stir in your heart to come and ask. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for this, this truth that we can come and ask you to give us this day our daily bread and we can trust you with it. Father, for those in this room or those watching online that need you, God, today, would your Holy Spirit move? Show us what we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and let's sing. 
Thank you for joining us as we go through God's Word together. I pray again that God will transform you from the inside out. So as we say here at first, you have come to church. Go out and be the church. Have a great week of worship. We can't wait to see you soon.